Welcome to the Loose and Conversational Podcast, everybody. Of course, my name is David, and you all know co-host Jen. And by this point, you know that weekly, we sit down and we have a few drinks, and we chat with interesting people. This week's episode brings back Scott Olson for another chat. If you listened to his first episode with us, you'd remember that Scott is a man of many talents. Well, he's also a self-described serial entrepreneur with a focus on leadership development. In this episode, we focus on where leadership starts. Leadership is a subject that interests both co-host Jen and me, and Scott has a great perspective thanks to his unique experience and insights. In this episode, Scott offers up four behaviors that form the foundation of leadership. His advice is clear, simple, and applicable to all levels of leadership. I'm not exaggerating when I say that following these four steps will instantly make you a more effective leader. Episode 27 is an unusual episode for us. It is almost... Well, professional in tone, and the information shared will help people interested in leadership. Because of the subject matter, I'm actually going to go ahead and share this episode on LinkedIn, which is also unusual. I usually try to keep some distance between the loose and conversational podcast and my professional contacts due to the sometimes explicit nature of the show. If LinkedIn brought you here, I hope you enjoy this episode. If you decide to stick around for a few more episodes, be warned that this episode is a bit of an outlier. We aren't always this professional. The idea behind this podcast is a simple one. We have a few drinks with interesting people and let the conversation flow. We recognize few boundaries or limits along the way. If you're triggered easily, eh, it might be best to head back to Pod Save the People. You know what I mean? Getting back to Scott, he has two websites you can look for for more information. I'm going to post links to those websites on loosenconversational.com. This has been a pretty long intro. Thanks for sticking around. Let's get this episode started. Welcome to the Loose and Conversational Podcast. Are you drinking the same thing as you were before the uh, the Russian Godfathers or the Vor? And it's it's now a a principled stand because a good friend of mine who is actually still with the FBI and a very senior executive there actually stopped listening to the podcast about ten minutes in and went and mixed up a Vor and he sent me a picture so that he could be part of the team that was drinking a Vor listening <laughs> oh, to the awesome. podcast. So my goal through this podcast has now become to get the world to understand that there's this new drink and it's called a Vor. Hey, Scott, in your FBI days, do you have any washed up actors who might want to do a podcast? Any, any washed up actors? The FBI any, have any washed up actors. I don't know. I just you imagine know, you hobnobbing with, you know, has-beens. The, the problem is that most FBI personnel, when they leave the bureau, want to be actors and they want to be in the, the Hollywood advisory business well, who so doesn't? that they can, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, no, this is what the op center looks like. The, the problem is everything in the bureau is boring. It's, you know, it's the... <laughs> It's government contractors. It, it reminds me of something that is supposed to have been thought either by Neil Armstrong or Buzz Aldrin when they were on the surface of the moon. They looked back at the lunar module and thought, that's my ride home. And it was built by the low bidder. <laughs> so, I mean, that's that's the reality of government. Have you started recording? Yeah. Oh, good. Because that line that he just said was gold. I know. You got to beat awesome. this out. But that was great. Yeah. The, uh... <laughs> We got, that's a t-shirt idea. Look at all these t-shirt ideas. Yeah, I know. Oh, I should show you my t-shirt. You won't be able to hear it on the podcast, but I can maybe show it. I, I, I wore it, it for Jen, but I forgot. <laughs> Middle-aged honky. Yeah, my shirt. I got. I made my <laughs> I own shirt. 
It says middle-aged honky. Middle-aged I, honky. I decided I was playing with it. On the back, it says Lucent Conversational Podcast. I made it because there was a TV show I was watching, and it had, a, as we call indigenous woman on it who's hilarious she's a part of the show and she called the white guy a honky and i must have laughed at that for three or four minutes because you remember right <laughs> scott like that, that used to be a term that i don't even know actually that's a good question <laughs> is See, this honky is, an offensive term at all I, I don't even know what it is it's it it's a white guy it's it's like, yeah. a, okay. it's it's like guy, yeah. honky or cracker and it's so having grown up in the 70s you know i i know the term from having heard it used rather than it's not a historical term for me. It was like in use when I was in. But middle if somebody school. called you a honky in the seventies, would it offend you? Eh, not, <laughs> not, not, not really, not really. But that's the interesting thing about offense, right? Is it's not the person who's saying the word honky that controls whether you're offended. It's the person hearing it. Yeah, hundred percent. If you get chapped, so it's not the term; it's your response to it. And so there are, are generally accepted things that are that most people get offended by. But you know, and, and this is going to take us right off, you know, right <laughs> off topic and down a rabbit hole. But no it, way to go, it's, David. We made it. We made it four minutes. It's it's always been interesting to me that I can make noises with this orifice at the bottom of my face and I can control how you feel. Yeah, all I'm doing is uttering noises at you and I can manage your like happiness and sadness and anger and emotional state. That's always fascinating. I think it it goes to intent a little bit though, because I am, my daughter admires my ability to argue basically or, or have like conflict with people. I don't know why she admires it. She told me that a few days ago. And I'm really good. Anything that a child admires in a parent is, is good. Check check that in the wind column. Yeah. And, and so any, like when I'm, if I really want to, if I really want to get a pound of flesh from you by saying things to you, I'm really good at it. But a lot of times I just do it for fun. Right. And I don't, you know, if people get offended, I apologize. I I love, but I think it's, I mean, you're, you're exactly my kind of guy. (laughs) Thanks. Oh, see, we just we just lost listeners. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jen, Jen, can, Jen just rolled her uh, eyes. I can yeah. hear people shutting up. Yeah, yeah. I, I think a lot of it is with intent, right? Like you can say, I don't think even if somebody has like ill intent towards a white person and calls them a honky, like when Tannis on Letterkenny called alt right J a honky, it was funny, right? When George Jefferson used to call white people honky, it was funny. So I think my shirt's funny. I I like look forward to uh, a warm enough day in Alberta where I can wear a t-shirt out and uh, somebody gets offended by my middle-aged honky shirt. I don't think they will, though, because you're a white guy wearing the t-shirt that is derogatory towards white people. Like, I don't think it will be offensive. It'll, will it be? Well, because a couple of people have said, so Carol Ann said it was offensive. Who was the other person? Did Carol Ann know what it meant? She's just she's just one of those people who is exactly un- uncomfortable <laughs> with anything that has to do with race. Gotcha. But this you, is you know white, what, white you know what kind of offends me the the notion that you might be drinking water. Are you actually drinking? Oh, God water? no. This is so humiliating. Okay, You're so not. here's the deal. As you know, when we emailed you before, I was running a little late. I forgot mm-hmm. something at home. I ran home to get it. I didn't have time to go to the liquor store, so I grabbed what was at home. So I drank a bit of rum on the way here, <laughs> and now I have soda water and vodka. I mean, it's better than water. It is. Yeah. And I hate to say it. One of my testicles is actually, I'm going to shit one of my testicles when I actually say this. It's, pre- <laughs> it's pretty tasty. Well, I mean, you drink pink Whitney. I don't know that that's Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But I was really hoping because this was a Scott one. Remember I was drinking whiskey last yeah, time? Yeah. And I got a little, I got a little toasted. I mean, you have tequila downstairs. I don't know why you decided to go oh, for neutral. I'm not going to drink tequila during the podcast. 
Oh, I see. Yeah. I didn't realize you had boundaries in place, my yeah. bad. Well, because, because halfway through the podcast, I'll be like, you know what your fucking problem is, Jen? You know, we, we don't want to go there. How big is your cock? <laughs> yeah, oh. Exactly. We don't, oh, don't want to go there. We, we want to, well, some of us want to go there. <laughs> and I'm just going to say, back to the honky shirt, I think as a white person, you can wear it because now you're taking back the word. Exactly. That's yes. exactly it. Yeah. See, that's the joke. <laughs> that's that's why it says middle aged honky. Gotcha. Because yeah. because as a middle aged white person, you're sort of open to all the judgment in the world. Yeah. So screw it. I'm going to wear a middle aged. You're going to take it back. You're going to own hopefully, that word. Hopefully someday we have our own parade. <laughs> a white people parade. <laughs> Middle aged, yeah, middle aged white people parade, which is really maybe in the retirement community there'll be a lot of you. You well, can have your own little parade to the cafeteria. If you think about it, a middle aged white person parade is like all the parades except the pride parade. Oh boy! <laughs> Anyways, we brought yeah, you here, here to here talk about what, leadership. Jen, Jen, what are you drinking? I'm drinking. What am I drinking? A gin. This last time I drank these, I was really drunk on because we did back to pad back-to-back podcast oh that's what you were drinking with <laughs> this is the... what i was drinking at jim bramble this is, this is... a gin bramble i've never yeah, heard of like such a thing cooler. i'm a girl I'm it's a coming girl. It's, it's in a can it's in a can oh like you're any better buddy no, you took I've, your can and I've you admitted it i know but you're all like it's in a can you know what i just want to <laughs> you know whose fault it is that i'm drinking soda water and out of a can with vodka in it you're raging alcoholism jason kenny and his restrictions oh. Oh, otherwise you would be ordering a drink. Yeah, I'd be gotcha. drinking something good, not something I had to like. You can order in room dining. I mean, that's a choice you've made. Yeah, I can't afford. That. You know, I I appreciate <laughs> your efforts to sort of lay off the responsibility for your poor planning on others. But the bottom line is, you have a poorly stocked bar. That's that's, that's oh, what I it do. Is. Well, yeah, I do. But a bit, yeah. But where I am, I. You that's can order. True. Actually, that's true. You've made a choice, buddy. You're yeah. 100% right. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, you've made a choice. But okay, anyways. Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say, well, you know, Speaking I'm trying to Speaking of leadership, this, what a great leadership quality. I was going to say, but every <laughs> every weekend, I'm like, I should really go to the store and stock up. And yeah. I don't. I went yesterday, spent 120 bucks at Wine and Beyond. Ooh. So, <laughs> for a fridge that was already full, I'm going to take a picture of my drink fridge when I get home and send it to you. So, so let's actually talk about leadership in this context. Okay, perfect. In, so are we, are we talking about leadership? how poor of a leader David is? Yeah, well, I, I okay. was going to be actually more <laughs> more granular. Oh, okay, sure, I, yeah. I, how about that for like consultant speak? I'm going to be more granular. <laughs> granular. So for me, when you talk about leadership, you have to talk about where leadership starts, right? Yeah. And and so the, when you think about where leadership starts, wh- where does leadership really start? I mean, some people think it starts when you get promoted and you become a boss, and it certainly starts then. Mm. But then there are other people that talk about lead from where you sit. You don't have to have a title. You know, you can you can lead and lead and lead and lead. I'm curious where you guys think leadership begins in that context, or have Ooh, you not an thought excellent about question. that? I think if you're born a man, that's where it begins. No, um, be really? serious. You think it's about penises? <laughs> no. <laughs> you think it's about XY chromosomes? No, I don't think that's where it starts. Um, you know, yeah, that's a great question. I think it starts. That's like, where do you think it starts? Because I do agree. I think you can lead from anywhere. I don't. I don't think it's title. I think it's influence. I think it's you know your work ethic. I think it's a lot of things. But where does it start? This is where I start squeezing my legs because I don't <laughs> want to talk for an hour. Right. Yeah, then it, just do uh, just a quick I, little snippet. A so couple of really the, quick little things. Sorry, yeah. I want to answer the question real quick. A couple of really quick things. It depends a little bit on what kind of leadership you're talking about because no. there's because there's Ooh, different I'm kinds gonna of come, leadership. I'm going to I'm going to yeah, lay down some artillery. About, I'm going to yeah. lay down some artillery fire on you oh, about you that. Go, go Scott. No, go. no. 
No, later. That that comes later. But don't forget that you said that about this type of leadership thing, because I've got okay, perfect. issues with that. But I don't Agreed. Want to stop so do thought. I, Scott. But I think you're, you you um, talk about them better than I will. Yeah, carry on. So what is this about types of leader? I'm going to give you rope to hang yourself. What is it with the types of? I feel so threatened right now. Remember, I'm the I'm the guest, so this is great for me, right? Hurt. So Scott, yeah. you'll be right, but just just let me throw up a couple of easy ones for you guys to knock out of the ballpark. Yeah, let's just let David talk so we can pick him apart afterwards. Oh, you are very yeah. agile, my and, friend. So and anyhow. And I'm not talking about the like my personal approach to leadership, um, because I want to hear about your approach to leadership. <laughs> but there, there is, um, for example, if you're an expert in something, that's its own form of leadership. If you can, no, anyways, what's that? Yeah, no, it is. It is. If if you because sometimes you will go to an expert in something, sure, for their advice, and that's a form of leadership. You sure. you, and that might be the kind of thing that gets you promoted. Right. There is the classic example of somebody That's who a terrible does, reason to get promoted, though. But but it, it's a, it's a thing. Sure. But, but be, being an expert in someone does make people look to you as a leader in something. Right. There is the classic example of somebody who maybe doesn't have a lot of, quote unquote, legitimate leadership. In other words, they don't have a title, but they have the respect of the people around them. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because they've been in the position for a really long time. Maybe it's because they have good natural leadership qualities. You know, and then of course there is people say, okay, you're the boss today. You know, make everybody do what you need them to do. That's what I mean by there's different yeah, types but, of leadership. So in your mind, which leadership has the most influence or has the most? Um, okay. Who can generate the most results? Does everybody thank, here know who you, Frederick the Great is? <laughs> Frederick the Great. No. Frederick the Great, uh, uh, somebody who has spoken of ill ever since the Nazis decided to take him as. Uh, I love how you brought the Nazis into. Yeah, this well, because he really, he really was, <laughs> and I won't go into Frederick the Great right now. But if you guys are curious, Google Frederick the Great. He was the very first person who believed in servant leadership, and right. he he was an effeminate, possibly homosexual. Why leader is of- that? Why is that even because, necessary because, to point because, out? Because it is. Because for the if if you read about Frederick the Great, and you learn about it. It was it. People had low expectations of the guy. His father had low expectations of him. But he united Prussia. Right. He did a lot of great things and he was a great military leader. And he was one of these the guys who really came up with the idea that leadership should serve the people underneath them. They shouldn't rule over the people underneath mm-hmm. them. And me personally, I think that if you are a person who can go into a situation, you have knowledge, you understand the goals and you're prepared to support everybody else. Those are like to me the three things that will make you a leader, no matter what your title is. No matter if you're an expert, you know, no matter anything of the other things I said earlier that you guys really disagreed with. So that's my answer. <laughs> Scott, take it away. That's great in so many different ways. He didn't say um, the right and, way. And I love the, the Frederick the Great reference. So for me, leadership happens when you run out of bandwidth. Leadership happens when you have more to do than you can do by yourself. When you start needing other people to do stuff to help you to achieve the stuff you need to achieve, then you have to be a leader. So when your bar isn't stocked, your choice is to run around and do the best you can or to convince Jen to make a booze (laughs) run for you. That was never going to happen. Well, it's never going to happen, but that's leadership. If you asked me, Scott, I would do it, but not David. (laughs) Well, that's a whole different set of issues. But I really think that leadership begins when you run out of bandwidth. Um, And it's the challenge is, and the reason that I focus on that first promotion transition or that emerging leader is because that's where it's hardest to see. When you're an individual contributor and you're talking about being extraordinarily capable, David, and you know, being able to do a lot of stuff and being expert, there are a, 
a lot of people out there, particularly in the tech world, the people that can code really well, really smart people that have an extraordinary bandwidth and they can do lots and lots of things, but they're not leaders because they can do it all themselves. They don't need other people to choose I'm not going to do what I want to do. I'm going to do what you want me to do. And that's really what leadership is, creating environments where other people choose to do what you need instead of what they need. Now, if you're, you know, the prime minister of Canada, the president of the United States or chairman of a a huge multinational corporation, it's really easy to see that you're not doing the work. There are 200,000 employees and a huge chain of command. So of course, you don't do everything. You have people that do everything. So it's easy to see the difference between doing the work and making sure the work gets done if you're looking at the CEO. The challenge is when you're looking at the team leader, whatever your, you know, squad supervisor or manager, whatever the job title is. The challenge is when you transition from individual contributor to team leader, or when you're an individual contributor who's responsible for getting more done than one person can do. That's where leadership begins. And I think you go very quickly from when you're responsible for doing things that are more than one person can do, and you're now in that leadership realm, the question becomes, you know, in leadership, how do you convince or get people to do what you need? How do you go to your colleague and interact with them in a way that they will choose to do what you need to do for your goals instead of what they need to do for something else? And that takes us to my second sort of fundamental concept, which is people don't follow you because they like you. They don't. People follow you. David yeah, knows. That's true. Yeah. yeah, that's true. People <laughs> follow you. People follow you. And this is why people like you, David, and me, and maybe even you, Jen, can succeed. People don't follow you. Maybe because they, even you, Jen, can succeed. Did you hear maybe that? Even maybe even you. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. Maybe even me. <laughs> people follow you because they know you like them. Because they know you like them. And I can't tell you how many, particularly in the in the in the FBI, in the Bureau, how many grizzled old 25-year veterans would squawk and moan about the, you know, 10-year person who was the new squad supervisor and how that kid doesn't know anything. And then as soon as they were asked to do something, they would go and do it. They didn't like the person sitting the desk, but they knew that that person liked them and respected their ability. And so they did what they were asked because they knew that they were liked and respected. So it's it's almost as if it's it's a reverse street. It's not a one-way street. It's a reverse street. And I think what leaders need to understand is that to be effective and to feel good about being a leader, you don't need to be liked. You need to be responded to. And you have control over that because you can decide who you like and who you respect. And if you start thinking about leadership that way, how am I interacting with people so they know how I feel about them and that I really don't give a crap how they feel about me? There's a there's a lot of stuff out there you can find about how, you know, great leaders don't care if they're hated. Great leaders don't care blah, 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 about all this stuff. And it's not they don't care. I mean, nobody likes to be hated, really. Um, But it's that they know that it's not relevant. It's not relevant to the performance aspect. And this is where the, the artillery barrage comes. It's because, and this is sort of phase three now, leadership, in my opinion, is outward facing. 
It's not inward facing. And when you're talking about servant leadership and influence leadership and, you know, the difference between managers and leaders, we're talking about the leader. And there are a lot of great people out there. Simon Sinek, of course, is the great one. Mm. Uh, in our modern age. Ken Blanchard, the servant leader guy, uh, is another good one. The issue that I see there is that they are all talking about the leader. And what they are essentially saying is, if you become this person, people will follow you. And what I've seen over 40 years of watching people operate in consequential environments and watching how teams perform in consequential environments, nobody cares about the leader. They care about the how the leader feels about them. If you're a servant leader and you prove to the world that you're a servant leader, nobody's going to follow you because it's not about you. If you are a I'm the biggest jackass on the planet leader, but your people know that you respect their ability and that you need them and they know that you need them because you thank them when they do stuff for you, they will follow you to hell because they know you like them. Leadership is outward facing. It's not inward facing. So that takes us to principle four for me, which is to succeed. And this is the secret sauce. To succeed as a leader, to be a truly great leader, I think you need two things. You need two components of fascination. You need to be fascinated with people and you need to be fascinated with the work being done. And I distinguish fascination, which is outward facing, from introspection, which is inward facing. And don't get me wrong, read Simon Sinek, read Clint Ken Blanchard, go through that cycle where you're developing yourself. You need to understand yourself deeply to be able to function in the world. But self-knowledge is a foundation for growth. It's not a foundation for leadership. Leadership's core foundation is fascination, fascination with people and fascination with the work they're doing. If you're only fascinated with people, you're an academic. You'll understand people really well. Go be a psychologist. You're not going to be a leader. If you're just fascinated with the work, you're probably going to be that subject matter expert. You're going to be the great guy who knows all the answers and can do all the work, but you're not going to be a leader. If you can find a way to cultivate fascination with people and with the work they're doing, that's when you're going to be able to execute on all the leadership stuff that's out there. The unpacking people, the respecting people, the the putting them first, all the servant leadership stuff, all the Simon Sinek stuff that we're struggling to figure out how to do, you are going to understand how to do it if you cultivate fascination with people and with the work they do. And that's the key, I think, to leadership. That's fantastic. And this is the sales pitch, right? Firstpromotiontransition.com. What, what firstpromotiontransition.com does, and it's a 10-week it's a self-study, it's, it's a 10-week course that managers can have their management team sign up on, and it'll be you know 10 weeks of discussion points, but it helps you to transition from, I am good at what I do, and I understand my value and my self-worth as an individual contributor, to I am good as a leader. And I understand the self-worth that I have as a leader, even though I'm no longer doing the work. And the illustration we use in the course is a ditch digger illustration, right? If you're a ditch digger, at the end of every day, you've, you've dug 80 feet of brilliant trench and 
it's, you know, 18 inches wide, 24 inches deep, and it's perfectly straight or it's perfectly curved the way the, the plan indicated. But when you walk to your truck at the end of the day, you're dirty, wet, and tired. And because you're dirty, wet, and tired, you have that visceral feeling of satisfaction. I'm dirty, wet, and tired. I did good today. The first day you're a ditch digger supervisor and you're walking to your truck and you're not dirty and you're not wet and you're not that tired, you think you suck. That's true. And there's 800 feet of trench behind you that's perfectly dug, but you still think you suck. And if you don't figure out how to transition, I put the guy that just loves to grind on the straightest trench. I put the guy that has been digging trench for 30 years and can do the perfect S-curve on the S-curve. I took the old guy who loves to talk and paired him up with the young guy that loves all the questions. If you don't find visceral satisfaction in that, you're going to be a micromanager. You're going to fail as a leader. You're going to be one of those leaders who thinks, I'm going to show my guys I'm one of the team by doing the work and they'll hate you for it. And they'll, because they'll know that you don't like them, you're more interested in feeding yourself. You have to transition your visceral sense of fulfillment. And that's why if you look at a lot of the marketing materials, we're talking about finding fulfillment in leadership. Being the leader is another job. And if you can't find job satisfaction in leadership, you'll fail. And there, there are mechanisms to do it. But and, and there are sort of two points here. The first is when you look at a lot of the fill in the blank leader, you know, servant leader, influence, whatever it is, what we're doing is we're saying in order to be a leader, you have to be a prick or you have to sacrifice. And my view is you don't. You have to be fulfilled. You have to find the value in being a great leader. And that really, really matters to add value as a leader. The second thing is, and this is the struggle for me, is I'm talking about fulfilled leadership, right? And so that's what my brand should be. That's what my brand Be a fulfilled leader. And you'll never see me say that. And the reason you'll never see me say that, and, and Glenhaven International will never market first promotion transition as a paradigm for the fulfilled leader, is because it's not about the leader. Leadership is about the people that are doing the work. It's not about the leader. So if you strive to be a fulfilled leader, you will fail. You need to find fulfillment in the leadership role as a human being, and we can help you do that. But if your focus is to be a fulfilled leader, you'll fail because it's about your people being fulfilled. It's about being outward facing. You wanted me to talk more, so there you go. No, that's fantastic. <laughs> David can, wants his turn now. No, no, no. I No, I can ask questions because this is fantastic. Oh, you're chomping at the bit, Jen. I can tell. I, I was going to say, I, I've thought a lot. Personally, I've been a leader for, I was just trying to do the math, like well over 30 years. And you've been a prick most of those years. Yeah. 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 Well, we'll we'll talk about, maybe we'll get to that in a, in a little bit because that's not what I want to talk about right now. Okay. I was going to say, and we actually just had somebody wash out from, we took a line level person, we promoted them and it just, it didn't work out. So Ooh, I want to, I want to know that story. Who are you talking you? about? I know you're going to have to beep it well, out. I can't say. You can fucking beep it out. You've got tech knowledge. Who, who washed out this week? Somebody washed out this week? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, <gee. laughs> it's uh, been a week, all right? A lot has happened this week. So, yeah, so yeah. I want to know why that person washed out. Okay, she wasn't well, engaged. I'm yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll talk about it. When Jen says, uh, we've had a lot this week. By the way, the worst thing that can happen <laughs> in what we do. What's the worst thing, the, the worst thing that could happen. Hap I don't actually don't want to say. Oh. Okay. Because I don't want to publicize it. Yeah. Uh, I'll maybe say off air. The worst thing that could happen to us. and uh, Again, we're I, not live. You can edit this. I know. Okay. But the worst thing that could happen to us happened to us this week. Something that we in theory knew could be a problem. We uh, had a f 
in our hotel. Yeah. And then so it's addition, been a really trying week. We had somebody oh, go without that's... notice. We have another employee that we need to terminate. Sooner. Yeah. So like it's, yeah, it's weird. Like the, it's been we've been isolated from a lot of stuff because of the pandemic. Ooh, this week. Yeah. Woo, oh, welcome back. So getting back to the person who washed out. Sorry, future David. <laughs> the uh, We promoted them. And to be honest, I was never a hundred percent okay with their promotion, but there's a point where you have to be. Well, and I think in theory, we do that a lot, I think. And that's one of my biggest pet peeves. And I think yours too, is that we tend to take people who are really great in their job and say, okay, we're, it's time to promote you. And yeah. I think just because you're great in your job doesn't mean you're a leader. And I think a lot of times in a lot of organizations take these people, promote them, and then don't support them the way they need to be but supported. Here's, here's why, Scott, just let me say this to you really quick. Another couple of things we do or used to do because, and I don't, you know, the, nobody will listen to us who matters, but- <laughs> But we, everybody who listens to us matters. No, no, I said nobody who matters with what I'm about to say will listen. In other words, you know, the two people who made the decision not to do this. Oh, yeah. We used to use a personality test. Yes. Uh, before. And we, it was a big part of how we led people. Which one did you use? Predictive index. The predictive, predictive index. index. Yeah. Mm. Big believer in it. I think yeah. it's fantastic. Yeah. And you can look at a predictive index. And one of the things they say is, oh, this is just a tool. You would never want to make your decision one based on this. Equation. One part of the equation. Yeah. That's just because they don't want you to sue them. Basically, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's unpopular. <laughs> but I think that there are, despite everything and yeah. everything I've ever read about leadership and everything that's ever been written or said or told to me in my 30 years, there are personalities that are tend to do well as leaders and there are personalities that tend to oh, not see, do I well as leaders. So I know, I know. I was yeah. just going to say, Jen's going to disagree here. To me, this person who washed out, that was one of the fundamental problems. You know, it was clear from looking at everything they'd given us they were never going to be the kind of person who stood up and took charge. And, and even everything that you're saying, Scott, I think that like if you if you have the fascination, if you are willing to support people, if you are really, really motivated by the goals of the organization, I think that there is there are certain personality traits that people who are going to be leaders okay, what frankly need to have. Um, they need to be men. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so they just need, need to have a they penis. Ju- they just need to think like a man. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so let me let me offer you a distinction, Jen, and, okay. and see if you quarrel with this. Oh, challenge accepted. Awesome. So, careful I think if she doesn't like it, she'll unzip something while you're talking. <laughs> and poor David will have to see. Yeah, carry on. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm getting stuck on the whole unzip thing. That's one of my favorite things. Um, I wrote a book on hiring with a colleague of mine who's a professor at Drexel Law School. She's an adjunct professor there. One of the things that we talk about in the book, which we've actually finally just landed a publisher and so will be out later this year, is that there is a difference between personality traits, sort of the personality profile, and behavioral characteristics. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason there's a difference is your personality traits are your your personality. It's who you are. Your behavioral characteristics are the things that you actually do, not the things that you're capable of doing, right. but the things that you actually do when the chips are down. And there are, are things that leaders do, and you can either naturally do them or you can learn to do them, that will get you to what leadership is, which is getting other people to choose to do what you need them to do instead of what they to do. Sorry to interject. That's actually where I was going with what I was talking is I was, I was because it takes me forever to ask a question. Yeah. I was going to ask you, con- compared to where I think that there are natural traits that people so need me, to be leaders is yeah. do you think people can learn them? Yeah. So my my way of expressing this is not everyone can learn how to paint. Not everyone knows how to paint. So if if you can't see light and you can't see color, you can take painting classes. 
but you're probably not going to be a great painter. If you can see light and you can see color, you can learn the technique of painting and you can become a great painter. So I think the same is true for leadership. If you understand people, if you understand the importance of saying thank you, then you can become a great leader. But there are some people that don't understand that. So if you can't see the things that make a great leader, you can't learn. But people don't come out of the womb brilliant leaders. It is a learned skill like anything else. Just not not everyone can learn it. And so what you need to do, the fail in promoting this person that you had to demote is you didn't differentiate correctly. You didn't filter correctly. And the way, the way to filter, a way to filter, of course, the best way to filter is to run them through firstpromotiontransition.com. <laughs> but the the second best way to filter is to look at how they say thank you. When somebody does something for them, are they truly grateful or do they really not care or are they entitled? Because leaders who are the pricks of leadership mm. are the people who are entitled. Of course, you did that for me. Why should I have to thank you? You get a paycheck. Of course, it's your job to do what I want. That person will never be a great leader because they don't care about people. A leader, and and remember, this comes back to leadership happens when you can no longer do everything you need to do. When you are in that situation, why wouldn't you be grateful that somebody else picks up your slack? Not because you don't have the skill, but because you you can be really strong and you can pick up a 300-pound barbell, but what about the 3,000-pound barbell? That's going to take some help. So why wouldn't you be grateful? And the amazing thing, the truly amazing thing is there are so many people out there that if you help them lift a 3,000-pound barbell, they don't give a shit. Yeah, I agree. And those are the people that will never be leaders. We hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you are, and if you'd like to support us, there's a few ways you can do just that. First, like and subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. That helps other people see us and hopefully gives us a listen. Second, share your fabulous social media presence with us by liking the Loosen Conversational podcast page on Facebook and liking and sharing some of our posts. We're also on Instagram. If you really want to throw money at us, we're on buymeacoffee.com. The easiest way to buy us a drink is to head to loosenconversational.com and click on the coffee cup icon. Thanks for listening, friends, and enjoy the rest of the podcast. And that's just the first of four components. Expressing gratitude is the first thing you learn, but it's the first of four things that lead you to that leadership visceral transition. Well, I was just going to say, like, I, I agree. I don't think everybody can be a leader. And I think all the years of experience I have tell me that. But I think David and I, we've had a lot of conversations about leader. And I think, David, you think very specifically that leaders have to be a certain way in order to be effective. And that's where I would disagree. So tell, tell me more about that, Jen. What what specific things does David say that you disagree with? Well, I think A, he finds... Here, here, I'll just turn my own mic off here. So <laughs> my breathing doesn't interrupt you guys. Yet. And it's like... Uh, uh, uh. No, I, I know think- I'm not supposed to ask questions, but... <laughs> 
Because we use something called predictive index, which I don't know how familiar you are with it. But David really thinks people Sadly familiar. (laughs) So people think those who have a high A or high drive, big picture, task over people, like those are the people that can lead well. He thinks in the conversations we've had that anybody with high B, which is people focused, don't do as well. Or high D. This is not true. (laughs) We've had this conversation so much. Well, I think you're seeing it through your own lens. You're not 100% wrong, but- yeah. So let I, me finish. Can okay. I finish? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> Pardon and me that, for defending myself. Yeah, this is not the time for that. You'll have okay. a moment, all right? Uh, and that people with the high D, which is very knowledgeable and task focused, don't, like basically in his mind, you have to have task over people, big picture. And if you don't have the high A, or if you're trying to seek harmony and lead collaboratively, they don't seem to do as well in your mind. Defend yourself. Okay. I- I, I don't I don't 100% disagree with what you said. First off, when you said people with – so D for people who don't know predictive index. Well, I don't want to get – I guess I don't want to yeah, get too much into predictive is, index because it is very well, how do you specific. Explain, how do you explain D? D is like – Knowledge, very specific knowledge. You need to gather all the information. Yeah. You have yeah. to be an expert in order for you to lead. Yeah. Somebody who is somebody who's very technically adept. Yeah. Like maybe a controller. Yeah. Or maybe maybe somebody who's who's – like Just a computer an expert in their or area, whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't. I I think that it is possible because I said that earlier, right? That that being an expert is can lead to a form of leadership. I don't think that it's always very effective unless yeah. you have other skills. And is, and yeah. I think somebody who did not have a lot of um, who had, was very low on the who was always seeking harmony rather than trying to control the situation had a lot of expert opinion is not going to be a good leader unless they really spend a lot of time applying themselves and learning how to be a leader and then consciously doing it and but, and I would just to say in my experience yeah. they don't do that but in based on what Scott is saying is he's basically saying lead with the people I mean he's saying you get the people to buy into what you're selling and then they will lead for you but right? somebody who's high D and low A is not going to do that normally they, they have to come into work every single Day. That's not true because high D means they are an expert in their field. It means they may not be as adaptable, but it doesn't mean that they can't lead because they can be just as forceful because they have the knowledge to be forceful. Yeah. And to use Scott's analogy, yeah. I, I think that if people who are really high in, like who are experts, will want to do everything themselves and they will struggle with the idea of there's mm-hmm. more work than I can do right now and I have to have somebody else do it. And then when they do say, okay, here's the work that you're going to do, they're going to micromanage them and lower it over them because they don't have yeah. the trust and they don't have the ability to give it to them. And I think leadership. And it's interesting because when we talk about leadership, there's there's lots of different kinds of leadership. And what I love about well, what actually, Scott is talking about- Can we about, stop for there for a second? Because you said no, lots of different types of leadership. And Scott said he would we would kind of get back to that specific Yeah, but I just, to say, I just want to say really quickly what I find so interesting about Scott is a lot of times when you read books or when you, you, you know, do whatever you do where you want to learn about leadership is they are talking about the people who are at near the top of the organization, right? Or at least managers. They're, mm-hmm. they're not talking about people the first time you become a leader. Or so when you take somebody who has been, like Scott says, digging a ditch, and now you have to oversee the people digging the ditch. And that's what I find so fascinating about this, right? Is we don't ever spend a lot of time talking to those people. But those are the people, like the person we just had that washed out, mm-hmm. that probably need the most energy put into them in, in terms of here's how you need to be a leader to succeed. I'm going to tell a really, really quick story, just an example for me. <laughs> Just, just really, really quick why I find this is so interesting. When I was a, first became a supervisor, everybody loved me because I was hardworking. And I mean, I was a teenager and I was working in fast food and things like that. And my manager really liked me. And, you know, I, I had the world by the balls. I got transferred to another uh, restaurant and I almost got fired. And the reason was is because I kept doing the exact same thing that I'd been doing in my previous restaurant in the new one. 
But what I didn't understand was that different managers have different ways of doing things. Mm -hmm. And you need to understand your manager's goals as much as anything when you're that brand new leader and you're you're a supervisor, right? You need you don't get to decide what the organization's goals are. Mm -hmm. You don't get to build the team. You don't get to right. do all these really high level things. You have to exist in this kind of weird space in between somebody who digs the ditch and the guy who decides where the ditch goes, mm -hmm. right? You're, you're just overseeing the people. And I think for this conversation, that's what's most interesting. And when you and I try to pin down what we see as, as being- <laughs> Leadership that, traits, essentially. Yeah, that which makes you a successful leader. Yeah. We're looking at ourselves, right? We're looking at a relatively high level of leadership. We're not talking about kind of what Scott's talking about is people who are just making that transition. But you are because you won't, You we've talked about supervisors and you won't, that's always the conversation we end up getting into is what you value in leadership, you expect to everyone to have, otherwise yeah, they from, can't be successful. From the perspective of a high level. Here's the problem. It's a really, really difficult problem because there's a lot of really bad leadership out there. Mm -hmm. And what I'm hearing you say, David, is you as the new manager have to adjust to your new boss. Yeah. And what or that a new means, supervisor or a new supervisor. And, or a new supervisor. And what that means to me is that your new supervisor or your new boss is a poor leader because that poor leader is making you adjust. Principle three, mm -hmm. principle three is put people where they're strong. Now, if your boss, you're, you're now the, the group supervisor, whatever you call that, and your boss is the manager of managers. If your job is to adjust to him, he's not putting you where you're strong. His job is to put you where you're strong, to set you up to succeed. And that means that he needs to understand you well enough to make sure that you're in charge of a group of people that extracts every bit of potential out of you. Now, I get the real world mm -hmm. is where leadership sucks. And I get the real world means that you have to manage down and manage up. Yep. But that's actually my point. If your boss understood and had made the transition and was viscerally satisfied with being a leader, he would be doing these four things. He would be expressing gratitude to you for the good work you're doing. He would be acknowledging your skill. He'd be telling you you're good at your job. He would be giving you assignments that you're good at, and he would be taking responsibility for the outcome. And those are the four components that you get. Mm -hmm. So the tragedy of leadership, and this is actually the last piece of first promotion transition, the tragedy of leadership is that most companies succeed with bad leadership. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Great leadership is great, but it's also hard. And most companies will succeed with bad leadership. So to be a great leader is a great thing, but you'll be an outlier. You can do it and you'll be good and you'll be feared, but it doesn't mean that what you're doing is wrong. It means that what you're doing actually is right. I think that the challenge, if I was your consultant, yours and Jen's, <laughs> the, the challenge I would throw at you is you're saying that these test results correlate to performance. I'm a trial attorney at the beginning of the day mm -hmm. and trial attorneys learn to be skeptical. And I think it's important to be thoughtful, to have opinions, and be open to being convinced. So I'm open to being convinced. But what I'm hearing you both say is, if you test high on B and low on D, then you're going to be good or you're going to suck. That's no, that, what David that, says. That's what I say. That's yeah. what David yeah, yeah. says. And, I and so, say there's so my, more to it than that. <laughs> so my, my challenge to you is do a deep dive into that correlation and see if that correlation is actually there. And if my recommendation to you is not necessarily to 
to chuck this thing. Insightful, it tells you about the person. Mm-hmm. But from a leadership perspective, if you want people who can lead well, people who are grateful when somebody does something for them, and people who respond to a high level of skill with being impressed, holy crap, you're really good at that. Those are the people who are probably going to be your best leader. And, I think and people- if, you, if you can't do that, you're probably going to struggle with being a leader. Just going to unzip something here. Maybe I'm going to interrupt you again, Jen, yeah. just because I'm enjoying interrupting you. This is one of the reasons I bought go, a camera, go ahead. so people can see you, Jen. Hello, over here, over yeah. here. See, they can see me if I go to talk. Yeah. Mm. No, I was just going to say that I think a lot of leaders end up building teams of little thems, right? I think that as a leader, you start to value your qualities, and I think you start to, and you, by nature, appreciate those qualities in other people. And I think it's hard to step back and try to appreciate other qualities. So I'm going to quarrel with you. Yeah, go um, for it. I I think that there are people who part way to being leaders will hire me, you know, and that and that's hiring for fit or bringing people in who are fit, who are a quote unquote good fit for the team. And that's really dangerous. Yeah. Because if you're hiring for fit, you're hiring for me. And so you're going to get middle-aged honkies. Well, I don't need any more of those. Yeah. I once had a front desk of all the same people. And Hashtag like, middle-aged What honky. the fuck? Yeah. Or, you know, are you going to get, you know, collegiate black women? Are you going to get whatever you're going to get? But the problem is that uniformity is death because 100%. uniformity leads to group. Leads yeah. to group oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. And so, yeah. so now I'm going to quarrel with you, David, which is... Please, I prefer that. If you're, if you're a good leader... You do not have to be an expert in what is being done. Oh, no, I believe yeah. that. That's yeah. what I'm saying. I, oh, okay. Well, then I won't yeah. quarrel yeah. with you. I think my I, issue- I can come in and have no idea how to, you know, do whatever is being done. But if I know that I have accepted responsibility for producing whatever it is, and I have a group of people who can do that, and their skill is beyond my ability to understand, Mm -hmm. what I need to do is thank them for producing the outcome and communicate to them how impressed I am that they can do this thing that I don't even freaking understand. I mean, l- listen, I'm I'm 59 years old. I'm almost 60, which is creepy. <laughs> and I, I wrote a book last year and I told my 87-year-old dad that I wrote a book and he told me he was proud of me. Oh, did and you cry, Scott? It, it, I almost cried because I want the approval of my daddy. Yeah. I mean, People, what 60-year-old doesn't? Well, David. Exactly. Well, I never had but, one. The, the, The point is people like being appreciated. For sure. People want them, want you to like them. And it's not manipulation if you don't gloat. It's not. (laughs) It's it's appreciation. Yeah. If if you thank somebody and then you say, ha ha, I got you to do cool stuff because I thanked you, then you're a dick and you're not a leader. But if you're truly grateful and you actually appreciate their skill because they're doing something you can't. The best leaders are actually in charge of teams that are doing things that the leader can't do. 
and the leader is comfortable in being that being in that place mm-hmm. because the leader is grateful and the leader acknowledges that the leader wouldn't be doing a damn thing without these other people. Yeah, I 100% agree. Well, that. I was 100% say, agree. David and I a few times and all so, years. So why don't you look for those people, David, instead of promoting these other freaking Well, here, losers. let me I just have something to say first, Scott, and then we'll start picking on David. Um, one thing, David and I have been together a long time and we've overseen a few areas where all of a sudden everybody's the same and you're sitting there going like, uh-oh, yeah, <laughs> we're yeah, in yeah. trouble here, yeah. right? And so it's maddening and so sort of starting to, you know, disassemble that and, and create some diversity and I think my biggest, aside from that, my biggest quarrel with David is I think your view of a leader is so narrow that they have to fit this narrow, you know, criteria in order for you to feel like they're going to be a successful leader. Uh, I don't know that I have a narrow view of a leader. I think that I like a lot of people. I mean, who's who are your leadership. favorite? Who are your favorite leaders? Are the ones that are like you? Uh, that's just what I was going to say. I was going to say I think I think <laughs> that oh, that's a that's a I terrible think you, question. But I think when you have a specific <laughs> style like I do, and you see people who are like you, and we have that right now. Like mm-hmm. we have me, and then mini you. Yeah, and uh, well, and basically <laughs> Megan, who's been on our podcast before. Yeah. Who is in some ways similar to me, and we in work, some ways very similar and, to you, and and we work well together, yeah. and we speak the same language. And I don't mean and that I think it's a that creates comfort, thing. right? Yeah. But but then that was one of the things when we brought back the other guy. I feel uncomfortable saying people's <laughs> yeah, no, names sometimes, yeah. but but one of the things that we've, even though I disagree with his perspective a lot of times, I value the fact that he's different, mm-hmm. right? And he he brings a different perspective and everything, and I always have, right? Yeah, but if you were to promote somebody, and I mean, we can't obviously put this on the podcast. Yeah, I'm not going to say that right now. <laughs> but, right? Because I mean, you would, because you appreciate her style and but, you appreciate I, the results but it wouldn't, that you But it get. wouldn't just be based on that. It wouldn't just be based on that. I think there is a lot to be said for results. And I think there is a lot to be said for, you know, when the chips are down, who can you depend on mm-hmm. and things like that. And, for sure. And what, you know, what kind of results do you get? I think one of the things that we do well here is we're very results focused. And I would say that there are a lot of organizations, which one of the places where the leadership seems to fall apart is they lose a focus on results. Mm -hmm. And instead, it's like, this is a good person. I like the way they do this. I like they do that. And they just don't produce results. And I think that that is a product of the personality we have around. But I also think it's gotten into into trouble as well is because we've had people who produce results, but sort of forget everything else, right? Where culture becomes an issue, where, you know, engagement is an issue. Like there's so many issues, but you've got results at the end of the day, but you've it, got a mess you have to clean up. And it's a difficult climate to so, lead in. Yeah. So, so I think your leading is always difficult. And it, it's a punt to say, well, this is a difficult climate to lead in because all climates are difficult to lead in. Yeah. But, but really, I think you're evaluating from the wrong end of the telescope. If you're evaluating based on how people produced results, then you're, yeah, you're evaluating on outcomes, but you're evaluating on success. It's really instructive to evaluate on failure. When you don't make your numbers, is there a, a process problem or is there a groupthink problem? Because if you don't make your numbers and you have groupthink, that's a problem. Just like if you have groupthink and you do make your numbers, it doesn't mean everything's good. Mm-hmm. When I when I talk to my kids, my kids are 25, 27, and 31. And I have always, as as they got through their teenage years and their early 20s, my oldest one's married, as we've talked about boyfriends and girlfriends, I've always advised them not to evaluate the relationship when it's going good, 
Evaluate the relationship when it's going bad. If you are in the middle of a fight with your boyfriend or your girlfriend, is it okay? Because if it's not, if you have that fight and you're questioning whether you should be in the relationship, you probably shouldn't be in the relationship. If you're having that fight and you still want the relationship, then it's probably okay. Yeah. So take a look at when performance is stressed because that's more revealing. When the numbers are good, you're not going to look and say, well, the numbers are good. We got to change this team. We got a problem. It's a solid point, Scott. Yeah, that's that, true. That's true. That, yeah. That, do you, that, do that's you re- what I'm saying. But it, it all comes back to the when you're looking at the performance of the leader, you need to see if your leader is outward facing or inward facing. Is the leader doing things to make the leader feel good? Or is the leader doing things to give that sense of fulfillment to the team? That's what matters. So first of all, I have one question. Uh, do you do relationship advice as well? Because I've got somebody I want to put you in touch with. Uh, we should, we all- should probably take that offline. Yeah. <laughs> second we should, of all- we should probably do that when I come and visit you guys. <laughs> Sounds good. I'll bring her with me. So second of all, when we... But but I'm happy to give my opinion (laughs) and I can guarantee you it'll entertain me. It won't help you. Yeah. We've got some daddy issues in my family. So we could use a nice strong... I'm going to love you guys. Nothing wrong wrong with daddy issues. I mean, David almost shipped her once. Um, Anyways, I digress. Uh, We talked a little bit about, you know, sort of David alluded to sort of different types of leadership and you sort of seem to have something to say around that. So what are your thoughts on different types of leadership and does it require different skill set or different qualities? I, I think God, that it is really the wrong question. The, the type what's of the leader, right question, Scott? Well, the type of leader a person is doesn't matter because leadership is not inward facing. Leadership is outward facing. What matters is the people who are following. So whatever your personal leadership philosophy is, that's inward facing and that's self-development. So what I'm getting is David's wrong. How am I wrong? I haven't, I haven't spoken in 10 minutes. <laughs> that was your theory. <laughs> sports metaphors are, are great because sports, sports. As long as it's hockey, all I get is hockey. <laughs> sports doesn't have the problem that business has. The problem that business has is if you're really good at your job, you get promoted. In sports, if you're a really good athlete, they keep you on the field. They don't take you off the field until you're not good enough to be an athlete anymore. And then if you're so a good coach, they make you a coach. And so in the business world, when you make that first promotion transition, one of the things you struggle with is... I'm no good unless I'm better than the people that I am in charge of. Because if I'm not as good as they are at sales or coding or whatever, then I have no right to be in charge of them. There is no coach in any athletics that is better than the athlete they coach. None of them. So there's no issue there with that. And so what do what do coaches do that create value? The athlete scores a goal. The athlete gets a perfect 10. And the athlete celebrates that goal. The coach celebrates putting the athlete in the game. And that is instructive for us. The coach never says, you don't hear any coach say, I'm a servant coach. I'm an influence coach. I am this type of coach or I'm that type of coach. No, they, they just know how to set their athletes up to succeed. You you watch any coach, they're grateful for performance. They acknowledge the skill of these young kids that are coming up. Doesn't matter if it's 
American professional football or, you know, women's soccer, or field hockey, gymnastics. It doesn't matter. They acknowledge the skill of their athletes. They put their athletes where they're strong. You don't take a goalie and make them a striker. Goalies can't run. You don't take a striker and put them in the goal. They can't plug the net. You put them where they're strong. And you see the coach take responsibility for the outcome. If the team loses, the coach feels that loss. If the team wins, the team feels the victory. And that's what leadership needs to be. You know why this is great stuff? Why? Because... So this podcast will come out. What do we got? We got John, Morgan, Morgan, and then this. So it'll be three weeks till this comes out. And I have an interview on Monday, as much <laughs> as Jen doesn't want to acknowledge this. I acknowledged it. For, well, uh, oh, that hurts. You think, <laughs> you'd hurts. Want me to, you think you'd want me to stay? I do. I already oh. told you. The uh, But it's a, it's a really great opportunity. And everything that you just said, I'm going to steal for that interview. <laughs> and they won't know I've stolen it. So they'll think you're brilliant? Because the podcast won't come over three oh, weeks. Oh, I see. And plus they no don't charge. And if, if they listen to the No, no charge, my friend. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. Can you tell no, me who this no is? Because I'm going to ask him to listen to the podcast to make sure he knows what he's hiring. Who who the interview is? Whomever. Yeah. Whoever you're interviewing. No, because it won't come up for a while. No, but even all the past ones will be a problem for you. All the past ones. Yeah. You know, your derogatory <laughs> comments. <laughs> Well, I won't be. I won't say listen to the podcast. No, but just, I'm going to. I want his name. <laughs> oh yeah, no, then that, that'll never happen. That'll never happen. <laughs> the, uh... Ouch, Jen. Hey, you say things just to get a reaction out of people. I do. I do. Yeah. Because, because I'm an entertainer. Exactly. But most people don't want to hire that. <laughs> no. By the time this comes out, hopefully it's too late. Hopefully. <laughs> All right, Anyways. so we're an hour in, and that was a great conversation. We probably have to cut quite a bit. So. We don't have to cut much out of that. I don't know. We talked about, talked about. Oh, you were the one who just said the name. Well, I think he would have realized who we were talking about. Okay, stop talking about stuff we have okay. to cut out. Cutting. Right. You know why cutting out stuff is hard? Why? Is because we talk about stuff and they go, oh, we can just cut it out. Yeah. Well, and yeah. then. Uh, we don't 100% pick up in the same uh, vein, yeah. right? So that you can tell there's a cut. That's why I put music in. Gotcha. All right. So can we can we tie a bow on leadership right now? Because I want to talk about something else. Sure. Is that okay, Scott? Yeah. So um, but I'll give, a plug for, give, a, give a plug for- uh, One more. Give us one more plug. No, just for Glenhaven and everything. And oh. Tell everybody what you do and how yeah. to get a hold of you and stuff like that. And- yeah. So uh, if you go to glenhaveninternational.com, that'll give you the coaching and hiring and first promotion transition. If you're just focused on learning how to be a better leader, firstpromotiontransition.com. Um, and if you're not inclined to hit the buttons on your keyboard, just do this. Just just do this. In the course of your day, express gratitude, acknowledge skill, put people where they're strong, and take responsibility for the outcome. You do those four things and just watch what happens around you. Awesome. That's all it is. You do those awesome. things and watch what happens. Let's talk about your son, who's a MMA fighter. Oh, you've been uh, you you sent you that out to me. And holy smokes! Yeah, no, you sent me that stuff. So, what is it like? So, first off, he is a pro now, right? Yeah, he's. I mean, he's at the. I can't remember the name of the league he fights for, but yeah, he he's a pro in that he he gets a couple of bucks when he fights now, rather a than getting a, a bottle of champagne or you know a pat on the back when he fights. Yeah. And do you know his record? I. 
I don't. He's and, and it's not a great sounding record. It's like <laughs> um, it's like four and like seven and four or something like that. That's but, better than our that, record, man. So that's <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, here's the story of my son. His name is Nicholas. Nick. Hi, Nick. Um, when he was five, he was he was a five year old. And if you've had when he kids, was five, I, he was a five year old. Come on, Scott. I expect better from you. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, he, he was losing his mind. And my, my, my experience has been that I've got two daughters and a son. The oldest is a daughter, then Nick, and then um, the, the youngest is a daughter. Girls are pretty calm in the first decade of life and then pretty active in the second decade. Boys, it's different. They're pretty active in the first decade and pretty calm in the second. And so when he was five, he would, he was a crazy kid. One of the, one of the things he thought was fun was we would go to the park and he would climb up on the highest thing he could find. And he would say, mom, dad, I'm going to jump. And of course my wife at the time would lose her mind to don't jump. And I would always look up at him and say, Nick, stop, look down. Do you think you can make it? And about half the time he would start crying and I would have to go get him. And about half the time he would think he could make it. And there were two times actually where I thought that he couldn't make it and he thought that he could. And, and I let him jump and he could make it. <laughs> and, and I thought, you know, I'm, I'm going to get prosecuted. I'm going to take him to the hospital with a broken leg. You were a lawyer at least, you know. Yeah. I, I was an FBI agent at the time. Oh, I would have lost still. my job. You still had but, some cachet. <laughs> but what it... What it underscored to me was even at age seven, he understood what was good for him in some ways better than I did. But at age five, he had a lot of energy. So I took him down to the local martial arts school, which was a Taekwondo school. And the rule in our house was you had to do something physical. It didn't matter if it was soccer or Taekwondo or dance, but you had to do something. And I took him down and did the little introductory thing and he said, yeah, dad, I want to do this. And a year later, I, would, I picked him up from class and he said, you know, dad, little six-year-old boy looking at me, you know, dad, it's pretty fun. You should try it. So I, I started in my early 40s. And so for, I don't know, 10 or 12 years, we trained together. But he's been in martial, involved in martial arts since he was five. And he was he went to the, the national tournament a couple of times. He didn't never won, but did reasonably well. The problem is that in his weight class, he's a welterweight. The Olympics in Taekwondo only has two weight classes, but not his. And so he transitioned to martial arts. And so he starts banging away. He's a personal trainer and he's got a company, uh, uh, No Limits Adventures, nholimits.com. He's a really good personal trainer. He's a good hiker. He's a good climber. And he does the martial arts thing. And it is when your son is going in to the the cage with another guy, it's a hard thing to watch him. That, and I, this is exactly what I was going to ask, <laughs> is what's it yeah. like watching your kid step in there with a guy? Yeah. It is really difficult. Did you see my last blog post? I did. I that's did why I, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. why I'm asking about it. You sent me this stuff, but then I it was about resilience, right? Yeah. So, I mean, this is for, you know... Take a look at the glenhaveninternational.com. Go to the blog post. It has the link. It's a highlight reel. And it's it's the top five fights for, you know, Triton fights in Long Island. And number th the fight number three is my son getting knocked out. And fight number one is him knocking out this other guy. And um, watching your kid in the ring is really freaking hard. Oh, I bet. Watching him get knocked out is harder than that. But but the hardest thing of all was the day that he got knocked out, 
going down to the hospital, getting him checked out, coming back to the venue and listening to his friends tell him how hard it was to watch him get knocked out and he should quit. And we talked a a little bit about this a, a couple of times and he decided that he wants to do this. He being in that consequential environment makes sense to him. And what's funny is when you look at the number one fight where he knocks this kid out, he was a he was a ninety four to six underdog on that fight. Everyone thought he was going to get spanked, and he said, "Dad, it was the third round, and I knew I was going to knock this guy out." And you you look at that video, and you look at his eyes. When he throws that punch, he knows it's going to land and he knows it's going to lay the guy out. And what's funny is he hit that kid so hard, the guy went down so fast that Nick actually trips on his legs. And that's the only thing that saves this kid from being pounded because Nick getting tripped is what allowed the ref to come in and protect the kid because he was out. And so even that... (laughs) As I'm going through this, I'm conflicted because it's it's hard. It's hard. But do you feel a sense <laughs> of that, that other kid you... has a dad too, right? I mean, yeah. It's hard. Yeah, but do you still feel a sense of triumph because your kid? How could you won? not? My sense of triumph. Oh, I totally is, would. I yeah. totally would. So yeah, I was I was losing my mind, and and you'll see in that thing that you know he he turns away and he throws his mouthpiece into the audience. I actually caught it. He threw it right at me, and and so it's it's an interesting combination of of pride and relief. But I, I got to tell you, the thing that the emotion that that I carry with me is what happened between the fight where he got knocked out and, and the fight where he delivered the knockout. My advice to my kids has always been, your, your job is to be better than me. Your job at any given age is to be better than I was at that age. And for him to get knocked out, and you look at, at number three on that reel, he was out and he got smacked in the face twice while he was on the canvas out. And he didn't bounce up and say, screw this, I'm going back in. He was down for a couple of days and he thought about it and we talked about it and he made a thoughtful and considered decision to go back. And I respect the hell out of that because that is that is going back into the lion's den with purpose. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's the thing that gives me chills is my my 27-year-old son saying, Dad, this is the road I'm on. It's hard to watch. But it's easy to support. Cool. <laughs> it is really easy to support. And Especially I if he's be been on that road for 22 years, yeah. right? He, he's been on that road for a long time. It's still hard. And, and it, it's hard for him, too. It's hard for him, too. It, it's not easy. And you, if you're a fight fan at all and you, you watch boxers and you watch MMA guys, and it, it's great to see a great fight and it's easy to boo when the fight is boring. But these guys are going into what I call a consequential environment. And, you know, my thing is high-performance teams and consequential environments. The the MMA ring is a consequential environment. A mountain at altitude on a glacier is a consequential environment. That's when you know a person. Part of it is how a person reacts, but even more instructive is how a person decides something when they're not reacting, when they're actually thinking about it, when it's cold, not when it's hot. Yeah. And when it was cold and he was on his back, that kid got up and went back into the fight. So, you know. It's it's interesting to draw that draw that back to what we were talking about before with leadership. Yeah. We had an issue here at the at the hotel 
at 11 p.m. last Sunday night, mm-hmm. and it was a disaster. And mm. call went out, and some people answered it, and some people didn't. I mean, they didn't answer it because they they well, it was 11 o'clock. They were night. asleep. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't they didn't get the call. Yeah, but just seeing everybody kind of rally around and. Do act, the work. act quickly and it was it was a really and it's still so what is this is this friday yeah and we're still dealing with the after effects of it and still trying to get our heads around how much damage there was and what we need to do and it'll be months before we before we remedy everything completely but it really is rewarding in a way to see the people step up who are stepping up mm-hmm. and the people who are contributing right and it's surprise people i think people will tend to surprise you when you least expect it and that's what this is right yeah. i couldn't yeah, imagine but- being work being an ma i used to box when i was a kid and i boxing used to be my favorite sport it's kind of fallen apart in the past 10 years but to me boxing is is a little bit different than mma because it's it's a little more i don't know i think it's just what i'm comfortable with but i couldn't imagine doing what your son does and stepping into a mm-hmm. ring knowing that somebody could kick me in the face and <laughs> hope, hoping yeah. that my training is prepared me for it and things like that. You know, but look at your situation at the hotel, you know, think who has the presence of mind to stand in the middle of that and say, I really appreciate you getting out of bed and, and showing up. You know, I, I had no idea you were, you know, th- that good with tearing down plaster and putting it back. I really appreciate your skill. The people that are walking around and acknowledging the work that are done, that's done, those are your leaders. Oh, yeah. The people that are walking around with a bucket and mop, those are your subject matter experts. You know, there are going to be some people that are pretending to be leaders. They don't want to do the work, so they're going to walk around with a cup of coffee and pretend to be in charge. But the ones that are actually truly grateful for what's being done, and they are coordinating and making sure that the people with the skill have what they need to do what they're doing, that's better than any test you can have. Yeah. And, and I got to be honest. Those, what, those are the people that have the instinct. Watching the chief engineer figure out where the leak was and get it stopped in 20 or 30 minutes that that he did it it amazed me because <laughs> when i f- i was one of the first people to get here and there did was a leak inside him? a wall oh yeah absolutely and uh there was a leak inside a wall we didn't know where the leak was we just knew that the that there was water the seventh floor was filling <laughs> yeah. up with water somehow <laughs> and to him there was no question where it was and when he opened up the wall there was no question that there would be a leak there and then it was a matter of getting the water shut down and uh, like i literally had no idea how to stop the leak and he just matter of factly went about it and things like that and that's the things where people will amaze you right mm-hmm. if you let them whereas if i'd stepped in and tried to take control of the situation there's no <laughs> way i could have right there's the no whole way. hotel would have been underwater but oh, yeah. and, and that's and that's where most people in this leadership world go off the rails. It's not about stepping in and taking control of the situation. That's not leadership. What leadership is, is expressing gratitude and acknowledging skill. All you got to do is tell the guy who's fixing your shit that's broken, I'm really glad you're here. And holy shit, how did you do that? And I, I would have that's what to leadership that. is. Yeah, I would well, add I, one and, thing to that. And we've really seen this in the past week. It's making sure he has the resources. Yeah. Yeah. Right to, to do what he needs to do because it's easy, especially in this day and age when we let the accountants take over. It's really, and that's not a, sl- a slag at accountants, but it's the way a lot You're of things are. The bottom right? line, yeah. yeah, it's the way a lot of things go. And right now, it's like, okay, we need to give this guy every resource he needs because he's smarter than us. Yeah, and he understands. And and if we give him a thousand dollars, he's going to save us ten thousand dollars. Well, and right to trust now. that he knows what he's doing with the money, that he's yeah. not spending yeah. it frivolously, that it, it has a point. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and and that and that's the execution piece. And that matters, but that's really not the leadership piece. That's the infrastructure. You you may put that under, put people where they're strong. You may put that under taking res, you know responsibility for the outcome, but that guy won't come back. He will not get out of his bed the next time 
if you don't express gratitude and acknowledge his skill. That's true. That's true. I would say that it is leadership, though, because I think early on we have we made a decision. Uh, Jen's just going to make a whole bunch of noise with her microphone while I'm talking. Early on, we made a decision to make sure that we had spare parts, for example, and resources Mm -hmm. and something that, you know, a lot of other hotels would say, no, no, no. Why would we need that? If something goes wrong, we'll just call somebody. But when a pipe bursts at 11 o'clock at night and the engineer comes and he has the knowledge, he has the pieces that he needs to stop the leak. And when we, I think at one point we started, because we didn't stop the leak at 11 o'clock at night, excuse me. I think we stopped the leak at one in the morning and there was no calling another company, right? There was no anything like that. And I think that that's one of the things that is important in leadership is getting out of, because like the, the analogy, it's funny, we went back to this, but the analogy you made about digging the ditch, there's a point where if you're going to supervise people digging the ditch, your job becomes making sure they have shovels, making sure there's a plan, making sure there's all these other things so that you can let the guys who are digging the ditch just dig the ditches, right? That's that's certainly part of it. That's certainly part of it. But that's the that's the frosting on the cake. That's not the cake. And and you will get there if you understand expressing gratitude and acknowledging skill. If all you do as a leader is make sure they have, you know, shovels and plumbing accessories, then you're gonna fail as a leader and you're gonna wonder why. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, you know, gee, I got you. I got you cool water and and shovels. You know, why aren't you digging ditches? And they're going to say, well, the shovels are the wrong shovels, and I don't like that kind of water. And you're going to understand why. You're not going to understand why. If if you acknowledge, if you express gratitude and acknowledge skill, they're not going to care what kind of water you get them. And they're going to say, well, next time when we buy shovels, could you get this kind instead of that kind? But the the core of leadership really is these four things. Cool. Everything awesome. else. It's not window dressing. And and listen, I I'm listening to myself and I'm I'm being more critical than than I intend to be. The things that you talk about are important, but they're follow-on things. And they're the things that will come if you have the right foundation. But you have to have the foundation right. You can build the most brilliant house in the world, but if you haven't poured the the, the foundation correctly, it's going to fall down. Hmm. And the yeah. foundation matters. Yeah, that's a fantastic perspective. So what's what's going on with you? You did your podcast you did with us the first one was uh, fantastic. It was really well received. I assume this one's going to be. Have you been on any other podcasts? Have you done any other things like that or I did I did another podcast and I'm embarrassed that I can't remember. So certainly first promotion transition, certainly executive coaching. We uh we have I think we should be in contract for the book in another week or two, and that'll be fantastic. So yeah, I mean, it's a, it's the life of the serial entrepreneur. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. Landing customers and, and getting good content out to people who need it. But I think the thing that I'm looking forward to most is finding second line managers who bring their teams into first promotion transition. And if, if teams get into first promotion transition and you're bringing 10 or 15 people into the program, you're going to get me for no cost. I'll come in and, and do a series of video conferences as you're working through the 10 weeks just to uh, give you some presentations and uh, and answer whatever questions you have. I mean, the, the key is, I think most of the issues that leaders have and that managers have is being frustrated because what they're doing doesn't work. And our goal is to get rid of that frustration and replace it with fulfillment. Leadership is a job that should be fulfilling. You should be glad. You should be happy being in that role. Um, and if, if you have that fulfillment, you're going to be good. And it definitely can be fulfilling. Like my whole career, I've been in leadership. And I think not just with me, but with other people, you do see intense levels of frustrations at time. And you do see 
satisfaction? And it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a pretty good question. I don't know if it is for everybody. Well, it, it, it's not for everybody. It, it, it really isn't for everybody. But if you're going to be in that role, it's really important to understand that it is not just another job, but it is another job. And it has job satisfaction like any other job. And you don't have to debase yourself. You don't have to be the servant. You don't have to, you know, schmooze everybody and tell them I'm doing all this stuff for you to be a good leader. It's just, it's a job satisfaction job. And if you do it well, you should be glad you're doing it well. And if you yeah, do it absolutely. poorly, you should go do something else. All right. Well, we're almost at time. So last thoughts. Jen just came back from having a poop. <laughs> Jeez, I can't go to the washroom. It's weird. It's weird how Jen. Thank you for that mental picture. That's great. the last few podcasts. Jen's always like, I got to poop, and then she's no, gone. No, I got my bladder is not very large, and I've had a few drinks. Okay. Oh, okay. That's a real. That's a race to the bottom. Intestines <laughs> not big enough. Bladder not big enough. Yeah. That's. I tell you, an actual okay. race to the actual bottom. Did yeah. you Did you use the uh, the regular one, or did you give that a miss because of the flood? No, I used the regular one. Yeah. All righty. Uh, last thoughts. No, I think I would just agree. I don't think everybody wants to be a leader. My husband is a very smart, capable person, but he does not want to manage people ever. <laughs> like hmm. He is just happy doing the work. Wow. That's a good indicator right there. And 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 you can be extraordinary. Yeah. You know, people with extraordinary bandwidth can do remarkable things and they should. Mm-hmm. They really should. And I think rushing everybody to try to be a leader isn't necessarily in anyone's best interest, right? So, no, no. I think not. Yeah. I think leadership as a subject is fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I think that you get people who are good leaders and they have no idea why. Yeah, true. And I think you get people who think they're experts on leadership and they couldn't lead themselves How out of we, a white paper bag. I've right? known some, right? Who are like, yeah. I'm an amazing leader. And it's yeah. like, no, you're not. Yeah. You know? I, 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 would, I would say, so this is the last question I'll ask. I'll ask both of you guys and then we'll wrap the podcast up. What is the number one hindrance to being a leader? I'll just say ego. I was so going to say ego. I was going to say ego, yeah. you fucker. I was going to say ego obviously is a big one. Entitlement is that ego, but I think entitlement, like I think just assuming that you are entitled to being the leader and that you are entitled to everything that comes with that. Yeah. yeah. Like I think I've been in like Jason Kenny. Like Jason Kenny, I've been in yeah. organizations where it's like I'm on the exact team, so now I've got you know, like I'm entitled to this, yeah, and yeah. and you're not, like you, you know, you're not entitled to it. Here's right? <laughs> here's where I say something that offends Jen. Oh, good. Although it's hard to imagine how this would offend a lot of people, like every Swiss leader we've ever known. <laughs> I can't even disagree with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've only known one Swiss leader, we, but a real oh, problem. Really? Oh, yeah. we're really working on hospitality. You've only known yeah. one Swiss leader. Oh, half the world is Swiss, in the hospitality Swiss oh. leaders, and you're great guys. And you're lots of fun, but holy shit, get over yourselves. <laughs> You've got entitlement issues. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say, uh, Scott, would be the number one thing that impedes someone's ability to be a leader? So my sort of unhelpful answer is actually a, a double negative. If you don't have the ability to be grateful, you're not mm-hmm. going to be a good leader because leadership is all about other people doing stuff that you need them to do. So if, if you can't genuinely say thank you, if you can't appreciate what somebody else does, you, you can't do it. You just, well, you just can't. That is interesting. Because that's our secret for a happy life too. Just be grateful. That's right? true. Yeah. Yeah. It's a solution to lots of things. I want you to write down five things you're grateful from your coworkers every day, David. Okay. Oh, I could do yeah. that. I could totally I got, do that. I just got so bored. I almost fell asleep. Yeah. <laughs> Jen, I'll get you a great five Jen's things I to be grateful for. Yeah, Jen's going to have us do gratefulness trees every yeah. day now. <laughs> Sounds like marriage counseling for Christ's sake. Oh, David doesn't go to that. Yeah. I used to. It didn't work. <laughs> That's that's what you do right before you get divorced. No, most people do it before then. 
Well, that's what I mean. You do it right before you get yeah, divorced. Right before, like, yeah. Some people do it and then everything gets okay, but. All right. Well, thank you very much, Scott. Thanks, Scott. Another fantastic podcast with you. Pleasure as always. I look forward to the next one. Yeah. We are taking the summer off. So we are. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank yeah. You. Thanks. We're... Season one's almost wrapped up. We're looking for a celebrity. So if you know of any. <laughs> yeah. Do you know any celebrities? We've reached out to a few. I, I don't, I don't know kids. anybody. But do you yeah. know, like, I feel I like know. you know a lot of people, you know, you know, somebody who knows like, six degrees of separation, you know, there's we're like, in Canada. There's so. hundreds of celebrities out there <laughs> and uh, we don't know any. No. Yeah. Yeah. This may come as a surprise to you, but I, I tend to piss people off a lot. So, so do we. Well, yeah, you yourself. don't, Jen. You don't. <laughs> don't. I'm not a great person to introduce you to. But, um, <sighs> All right. Well, yeah. thanks for nothing. Yeah. Thanks for two good yeah. podcasts and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for two good podcasts yeah. and we'll talk to you probably again in September. Sounds good. Okay. Well, thanks for listening, thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thanks for keeping it loose with us. Please like and subscribe to our podcast. Check out new episodes weekly and read our blog on looseandconversational.com. Finally, like and follow us on Facebook. I would love to have something from you in my inbox.